Christmas time. Merry Christmas. I love Christmas. I love Christmas with family. Um, but what is your favorite part of Christmas? What is your favorite thing about Christmas? I want to hear some people say some things. What's your favorite part? The food? Okay, of course. 100%. I have, I have collard greens cooking right now for my mama. And now I'm ready for that. All right. What else we got? Family. Oh, of course. Of course. Nothing like family. Speaking of family, my beautiful wife is here today. Come on. All right. Uh, All right. One more. One more thing we love. Giving. Oh, yes, of course, giving. Gifts. I mean, there's nothing like gifts. I love gifts because they reaffirm the relationship, and gifts also show the connection that you have. Uh, I received a gift this year that I didn't know I needed. You ever had gotten one of those gifts? Um, Our Students Leading Students, which is our student ministry leaders who help lead in student ministry. They're high schoolers who are helping lead our high schoolers and middle schoolers. Uh, They walked up to me and said, Pastor Marks, we have a gift for you. Now, if you know me, I'm afraid of insects and bugs and anything, right? So I thought they were playing a prank on me, but they were just really smiley and giddy about it, and I was like, this is not going to be good. I unwrapped it, and inside was a Pastor Marcus action figure. Can you believe that? Unreal. Unreal. And yes, I said action figure. Uh, It's an action figure. I never imagined I could ever be an action figure, but if I was, that would be me carrying a Bible uh, with a goatee and looking like I'm about to go to the gym or I already went to the gym. That is, that is me right there. Um, I love, I love gifts because they remind us that giving didn't begin with man, didn't begin with humankind. It began when God gave the greatest gift ever, an unspeakable gift that would offer unspeakable joy. He gives us this gift of Jesus in a manger beyond words, and we're left speechless. And for that reason, my favorite part of Christmas time is nativity scenes, but I like really creative ones. Um, I saw this nativity scene. I'm calling the crossover Christmas nativity. Uh, you have Commander Riker and Counselor Troy as Mary and Joseph. Um, how, Marcus, how'd you know that? Well, I'm a Trekkie, if you didn't know that. Um, Star Wars is nothing compared to Star Trek, by the way. Just letting you know, there is Darth Vader there. Um, you know, kind of classic character. Darth Vader is there. You also see, like, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Look over to the left, and you have these awesome, I don't know if you remember these, Battle Beasts back in the 80s. Those are those little toys. Battle Beasts right there next to Bill and Ted. What an excellent, what an excellent adventure. Bill and Ted, excellent adventure to see the birth of Jesus Christ. I would watch that movie for sure. Uh, And then you see on top, Batman, my favorite superhero. Looks like he's fighting an angel. I'm not sure why. Uh, I just find this one really creative. Uh, I also saw this one. This is the hipster nativity scene. And this is unbelievable. Uh, You see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph taking the first selfie 2,000 years ago. Uh, Then you see people on segways carrying these mass-produced gifts and mustaches. Uh, We couldn't get the full picture on the screen, but the cow says 100% organic. Uh, And then also, if you pay attention to what the cow is eating, it says gluten-free feed. Like, that is just unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I I love nativity scenes. We're probably more familiar with the classic nativity scene. One like this. That reminds us the hope, the joy, the love, and the peace, and the Christ of Christmas. Some of you are like, I hope I get to watch the four football games tomorrow in some peace and quiet. And it'd be my joy if my team won. That's what you're thinking about Christmas. But it reminds me of the greatest gift 
That hope is in a manger and hope heals. That peace is in a manger and peace heals. That joy is in a manger and joy heals. That love in Christ is in a manger and love in Christ heal us. That's what we get to offer. When I walk past the nativity scene, I think of the greatest gift. I read a story recently about a young kid who walked past the nativity scene and was thought about the gifts that he wanted. He wanted a bicycle for Christmas. So he told his mom, Mom, I really want this bicycle and I've been really good. And she said, well... Why don't you go and write Jesus a letter? Like, just to get me away. You know, she's over there cooking and everything. Just go write Jesus a letter. So he starts writing the letter. Jesus, I want a bicycle. I've been a good boy all year. He pauses. I've been a good boy for a few months. I've been a good boy for two weeks. Jesus, I've been a good boy today, question mark. He walks out of his room, walks over to his mom, just kind of dejected, hoping that she'd have some kind words. And then he sees this nativity scene. He grabs Mary from the nativity scene, walks back into his room, says, Dear Jesus, if you want to see your mother again, get me that bicycle. (laughs) For for him, it was about the gift. Uh, But for me, it's about the greatest gift that was ever given to us. You know, we sang the song, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright. And I, I wonder if the calm that entered the world was because peace has entered the world. I wonder if the bright that entered the world was the light of Christ that entered the world. And then it says, sleep in heavenly peace. I'm like, was Jesus just a perfect baby sleeping all the way through the night? I feel like he'd be the type of baby who would stay up, turn his water into milk, and then just keep going on the day. Uh, But sleep in heavenly peace. Uh, But what if this Christmas doesn't need to be like every other Christmas? What if this Christmas, the very thing that happened 2,000 years ago, that split time, that changed the way all of us view anything. What if that Jesus, what if that child, what if that baby in a manger, what if that moment in time can change everything for all of eternity? What if this Christmas we actually view Christmas and we don't miss the Messiah this Christmas? What if this Christmas what happened in a real town in Bethlehem, in a real place with real people, could offer me real life? What if this Christmas could look different feel different, and maybe even I could be different. I don't know what you walked in here with, but when I speak of words of Christmas, hope, joy, love, peace, maybe some of us are searching for some of those. And you can take it from me who searched many years trying to find them. I have only found them in Jesus. I've tried nearly everything else you could imagine. Well, my prayer today is before we go any further, as we look at the Christmas story, that our hearts and our minds would be ready to receive what God has for us. So let's pray. That our our hearts would be open, our ears would be open, and our eyes would be ready to see what God has for us. Let's pray. God, we come before you. Lord, it's the Christmas season. We have so many thoughts in our minds. All the gifts that we're giving, the gifts that still need to be wrapped, and for some of us, the gifts that still need to be bought, praise the Lord. (laughs) But what we do thank you for is the gift that you've already given us. Lord, for those of us in the room that still have questions, for those of us that still have doubts, for those of us that maybe have received you in their hearts and still are questioning and struggling, God, we know today you have a word for us, so speak to us. Let us be ready to receive that we'd experience your hope, your joy, your love, and your peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Luke? That's where we're going to be, Luke 2, 8 through 20. Uh, our, our student pastor, Karen, and her daughter, who dressed as twins today, which is awesome, uh, they read Luke 1, Luke 2, 1 through 7. We're going to be in Luke 8. It's also going to be on the screens. Um, and, and as you turn in your Bible, it's in the New Testament. So you'll open halfway, get to Psalms and Proverbs. Keep going to the right. You'll see some of the Old Testament prophets. You'll eventually get to Malachi, then to Matthew, to Mark, and to Luke is where we're going to be today. Starting Luke 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 8. 
And, and we get to see this awesome thing that happens. You see, you see the holy of heaven meet the lowly of the earth. You get to see something completely transform, both of them, the holy and the lowly, on divine message and divine agents from God. All of us, and the angels included. We are on a divine assignment with a divine message. And we get to see this, these things that happen up throughout this story that maybe we've missed before. Because we're going to see the meaning of Christmas. We're going to see the message of Christmas. And we're going to see the miracle of Christmas. The meaning, message, and miracle. Starting in verse 8. In the same region, Jesus has been born. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. The angel of the Lord stood before them, and glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. So it's night, and it's dark. An angel shows up, light shines, light is shining at this moment, and they're terrified. Why? Because an angel has shown up. Not because angels are scary, but because angels are mighty. Now, what words do we have for them? The angel of the Lord stood before them, the glory shines, they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. Who is the Messiah? The Lord. A Savior, Messiah, Lord. Savior, Messiah, Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. You see, oftentimes God will give us signs for what to look for. He tells the shepherds, you're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. You see, these are shepherds. They understand uh, lambs. They understand sheep. They understand what happens when you give birth. When a lamb gives birth, it comes out and they would wrap it in swaddling cloths and place it in a manger. The angel of the Lord is saying, the very thing that you have used for so many years is being transformed and you're going to see the gift that I'm giving you. You don't need to watch these lamb because you're about to see the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Suddenly, verse 13, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with angels praising God. So now a bunch of angels are there. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord made known to us. They hurried off, found both Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. So they tell Mary and Joseph, this child is the Savior, he's the Messiah, he is the Lord. An angel opened up the heavens and came and spoke to us, and this is why we're here. The one that you called Jesus is the one who was the Christ, he is the Messiah, he's going to save us from everything. And all the people heard it and were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Look at Mary's heart. Mary was treasuring all of these things in her heart and meditating on them. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. I said we're going to walk through the meaning, the message, and the miracle of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas, as simple as we can make it, is God meets us where we are. Right. Heaven meets the earth and heaven greets the shepherds. Out of all places that Jesus could have been born, he could have been born at the time in the Roman, in Rome, which is the political capital. He could have been born in Athens, which is the economic capital, or Alexandria, Egypt, which is the educational capital, or even Jerusalem, which is the religious capital. But no, where does he show up? In Bethlehem, lying in a manger. This is how Jesus meets us. Heaven meets earth and greets these shepherds in a field. 
This is what we just read, that in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields. We need to know that at this time, shepherds were viewed as outcasts. They were viewed as people that you couldn't trust, people that you necessarily wouldn't listen to. In fact, in court, you couldn't even listen to their witness testimony because it was viewed as a lie. You couldn't trust them. They were viewed as unclean. They couldn't walk into the temple. They said, you're not just dirty because of what's under your nails. You're dirty because of what's in your soul. You're an outcast. Have you ever felt like an outcast? It may be in your friend group, maybe in your workplace, maybe sadly even in your family. Maybe you walked in today and you feel like an outcast here in the church. And you understand what it feels like to be a shepherd. I have good news. In Genesis, Abel was a shepherd. We see Abraham as a shepherd. You see David as a shepherd, Moses as a shepherd. And Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. All throughout scripture, you see people who were outcasts, who God says, those are my people. So if you walked in today feeling like, I feel like I don't have much to offer. I feel like I'm not going to be accepted. In fact, I'm one of those people that walks into a church and says, man, if they really knew me, they wouldn't let me in here. That's who God meets. That's who God says, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm here for the lowly. I'm here for the wealthy. It doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on. I am here for you. He shows up to these shepherds, these outcasts, the rejected. They're often disregarded. They often pushed over to the side. The ones that people didn't want even to witness in court, they get to witness the glory of heaven. If you're confused, as if the song says, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. If you're weary, God shows up to meet you. And he offers a beautiful message. The meaning is that God shows up. The message is that he wants to proclaim good news over you. Right? The shepherds are there and an angel just shows up. And this is why we say Merry Christmas and not Scary Christmas, right? The angel shows up and they're terrified. Why? Because we're shepherds, we're the outcasts. If God is going to say something, it's not going to be nice to me. In the midst of their working, in the midst of their watching, in the midst of their caring for the sheep, a divine interruption happens. It's Isaiah 9-2 coming into fruition. The people that have walked in the light, have walked in the darkness, have seen a great light that shines around them. They're living it, but they were divinely interrupted. How many of us have filled our schedules and filled our lives to the points where we can't welcome a divine interruption because we've put God on do not disturb? God, I can't hear you right now. If it's like me, what I would do is I tell God, you didn't come through before, so why would I trust you now? God, you know how many times that I tried to believe and you didn't show up? You're on do not disturb. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it. I don't want to see it. But there was a moment in my life when God interrupted my life. And it was the very thing that I needed. And for those shepherds in the midst of all of their work, God interrupts like he is right now in this moment. He might be interrupting your life. You might be thinking about the other things that are going on today and tomorrow and the rest of the week. You might be thinking of the pictures that you may have or the Christmas card that you didn't send out. Whatever it may be, God has a divine interruption in this moment and he says, I want to meet you and I have a message of hope for you. Because a divine interrup interruption turns into divine introduction, which leads to divine transformation. So you experience the message of Christmas, the message of hope. Good news of great joy for all people. I feel like all of us know what kind of news we see on different medias today. It's not always good news. I don't know when the last time I saw a report and was like, hey, by the way, everything is awesome and you are loved. All right, we'll talk to you later at Channel 7. No, that's not typically what it is. But this is not just good news. This is good news for everybody. That's a different kind of good news. We're used to good news for some people. 
I got good news for this side of the room. You know, not this side, right? Like, we used to good news for some people. When I was in college, uh, my, my roommate Blake, he walked up to me, and Starbucks it had just kind of like been around in this area. We really didn't know. I was up in Costa Mesa. Uh, and, and he said, hey, it's free coffee day. And I was like, free coffee day? I didn't start drinking coffee until I was in college. And I was like, hey, I'll, I'll do it. Let's go. You know, let's, let's go to this coffee shop thing. So we go into the coffee shop. And I was like, free coffee day? He's like, it's free coffee day. Dude, this is awesome. So he goes up. Starbucks didn't have an app at this time. They give you a little, like, almost debit card looking thing. And he had a gold card. He walks up. And he goes, oh, yeah, he's talking to the guy. I'm standing behind him. And the guy doesn't take his card. Blake turns around and he goes, free coffee day. And I was like, dude, all right. I walk up to Starbucks and I'm like, you guys are losing a ton of money. This is not going to work out. And I said, hey, it's free coffee day today. And they said, what? I said, it's free coffee day. And they said, no, it's his birthday, so he got free coffee. And I was like, oh, it's good news for Blake. Not good news for Marcus. But this good news is for all people. It doesn't matter your status, your condition, your education, your experience, your past, your present, whatever it may be, this is good news for you. That you are highly valued when it comes to how God looks at you. Not because of anything you've done or haven't done, but because of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. He says, there is good news for you that have walked in today without hope, without peace, without joy, without love, without Jesus. I have good news that Jesus heals the broken pieces in our lives that we feel like can't even be cleaned up. These shepherds, after they hear this message, they say, let us go. Notice the angel didn't say, hey shepherds, make sure you got to clean up, brush your teeth, might change your clothes. I mean, it's the Messiah <laughs> in a manger, you know, kind of like look the part. They rushed in their mess to see Jesus in a manger. God in the flesh stepping into our mess. They said, I'm going to come as we are. So Pastor Buck shared earlier with us. That's the church that we are. Come as you are. And as they realize that this good news is for all people, they hear the meaning of Christmas, that God shows up. They hear the message of Christmas, that it's good news. And then they get to find out the miracle of Christmas, that a Savior has been born for us. Like, we get to have this Savior, God in the flesh, in the midst of our mess. Like, and why do I need a Savior? Because I can't save myself. There's some things I can do. I can fix cars. But when my body acts up, I have to talk to a doctor. I can do light construction. But if I want to remodel something, I have to talk to a contractor. I can have a beautiful vision board with all of my future and bedazzle it. Look where I'm going in the next 10 years. But I need a savior to secure my destiny. See, I've learned in my life that my mess ups, my pain, has caused me to be in desperate need of a savior. And you as well. Because we've lied before, we've cheated, we've stolen, we've, we've had hatred and we've been angry. We've hurt others and have been hurt. We've failed others and have been failed. And God says there is a savior for you. And we're in desperate need of a savior. And this is why the angel would proclaim, today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. In this moment, they turn from rejected outcast as shepherds to accepted and loved by Jesus. The lost become found, the broken become whole, the blind are able to see because Jesus stepped into reality. And I love that first word of this verse today. On a real day, when Caesar Augustus was emperor, and while he was emperor, it was uh, BC, 27 BC to 14 AD. This is a real day. 
he showed up to real people who would give oral history and written history about this day that happened. And he showed up to a real place in Bethlehem, which is still there today. Today, in this moment right now, this Christmas, a Savior is here for you. On a real day, to, in a real place, to real people, God has shown up. He has a message of hope to speak good news and to provide a Savior. And I'm looking at all the things in my life where I need a Savior. And often in, in times you may hear people use these words as they're in Scripture. It's sin, transgression, and iniquity. And each time we say those words uh, here at Newbreak, we like to make sure we know exactly what we're saying. Um, sin means to miss the mark. There is a divine alignment that God said, for you to live your best life and to have the greatest impact, here is what it looks like. And at times we miss the mark, I've missed the mark. Then there is iniquity. And iniquity means crooked behavior. Have you ever had someone that has crooked behavior or have you been someone who has crooked behavior? Then there's transgression, that's when you break trust. I've done all three of those multiple times, many times, and still do. And each of those has a weight and a cost. Scripture would tell us that all of our wrongs, all the things we're not proud of, do have a cost. And what happens is God saw how much it would cost. He's like, I can't have my kids pay that. But there's one, my only son, who could carry the weight of all of our mess-ups in this room and all over the world. There's only one who could carry that weight, who could live a perfect life and go to a cross, carry the weight of everything we have ever done wrong and ever will do, the things we are thinking and the things we have acted on. And Jesus would go to a cross and say the word, it is finished. The cost of all of my wrong has been paid through Jesus. And he was in my place. Reminds me of the story of when the gold rush had just started in California, there was a family in England, a husband, a wife, and a son. The husband found out, and they weren't making, they weren't making it out in England, so they said, well, let's, let's go to California. They only had enough money to get the husband there first, so he goes there, and he's searching for gold for months and months and months. The gold rush is happening. He's trying to get something together so he can bring the family back out. He finally gets gold. He had sent them letters, and they finally got the letters, and she's overjoyed, and they book a trip. They get onto a ship, and they're ready to go to California because the gold rush is there, and they have everything they would ever need. So they got the nicest ship they could find, uh, nicest place and they were so ready they get onto the ship and about halfway through the trip she just hears people yelling fire 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 and she's thinking not today I need to get to my husband I'm with my son this can't be happening and within a moment the entire ship is engulfed with flames and people are yelling fire fire people are putting boats on the outside and life rafts and and there's the ship is full and so these are quickly filling up and she eventually realizes that it doesn't look like there's going to be enough room she jumps into the water the freezing cold water with her son and she's looking for any of the rafts that have any more room she says is there any more room and everyone said we have all the people we can take and the next one would pass is there any more room we have all the people we could take another one passed and it kept going and going is there any more room and she realized it's the last one and they said we have all the people we can take her and her son shivering in the water she said can you make any room they start to move around they said we could fit one more she picks up her son places him on the raft with tears in her eyes and the son crying she says when you get to your father 
Tell him I died in your place. That's what Jesus did for me. And that's why every time I even talk about the idea that someone like me could walk onto a platform like this and talk to people like you, the only reason I'm able to is because I know someone died in my place. And his name was Jesus. And he wants to offer you that same freedom that I have experienced and that I still experience and when I still mess up because I still do. Just because I have a microphone doesn't mean I'm perfect. I say, God, you have died in my place. Would you forgive me? And I believe it was at that moment the realization of heaven breaks out. The canopy of heaven is opened and the shepherds get to see what is happening in the heavens at all times. They look up and they see the shepherds are watching as the angels are worshiping. The angels are worshiping because God in heaven, the one they worship, is now in the flesh, in the earth, and will sacrifice himself for all of humanity. They break out into song and they can't even begin to help it. Hark the herald angels sing. It goes on, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to people who he favors. And we see that word, peace, and we think, is this international peace or political peace? No, I'm sorry. But I believe Charles Wesley, who wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing, he got it right. He says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. That's what it is. It's when I, all of my wrongs, have met all of the right of God. And they come together and God calls me right. He calls me righteous. He says, Marcus, I've already paid the cost of all of your wrongs. I've already taken care of it. You can walk with me. You can be with me. And I want you to carry this light. I want, to, want it to transform not only you, but everyone around you. You have been reconciled. You've been made right with me. This is what Mary is treasuring and meditating on. Who is this child at divided time? Who is this child that is lying in a manger? If he is royalty, why is he not in a palace? If he is royalty, why are people not from all over the world coming to see him? And God would speak because we have to receive him personally first. She says she treasures. That word means to preserve. And then meditate is to engage with and connect with. Some of us in this room are treasuring and meditating on some of the words that were spoken today, some of the songs we sing. You've been wondering, where do we go from here? I think it's in these moments some of the Christmas songs come to mind. Weary world rejoices, and the soul felt its worth. I was told for so many years of my life that, Marcus, you're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to be much, or you're going to be just like X, Y, and Z. And then I heard from God that I was worth something. My soul felt its worth. I believe Mary began to feel her worth. And I believe you and I can begin to feel our worth. And all of the wrongs we have done can be made right. Simply receiving the greatest gift that's ever been given. I want to pray for us. And if you're in the room, if you would just, just kind of allow all the distractions just to kind of fade. Let's just focus on God for a moment. C.S. Lewis said it best. He said, one road leads to home and there's a thousand that lead to the wilderness. I believe some of us are in here and we've been in the wilderness for far too long and it's time to come home. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to welcome the gift of Jesus. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of mercy, the gift of grace that welcomes us. Yes, it's a great day for us to celebrate and it's a great day for us to receive. 
because Christ has been born. If that's you in the room, I just want to pray for all of us that, that we'd say yes to Jesus. It's the best decision I've ever made, followed shortly by my saying yes to my beautiful wife. But I'm so thankful I said yes to Jesus when I did. So if you're in the room, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're in the room and you're saying, you know, I, I think I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to I begin a relationship with Jesus. And you don't have to have all the answers. You may still have questions, and I still do too, but I want to talk with you. We want to talk with you. Our pastors will be outside on the patio, even online. We want to talk with you. But if that's you, if you just lift your hand, we just want to be praying for you and praying with you. So today, I want to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. This is when God begins to free us. Let's all pray together. Let's pray out loud, boldly. Just say, God, I know that I have messed up. And I also know that you offer me forgiveness. So today, I say yes. Do what you will. Thank you. I love you. Amen. Give God a hand because he's amazing. So, so I want to show you what, what happened next. Okay, the shepherds then go glorifying and praising God. This is the go tell it on the mountain. Notice, they didn't have a PhD. They didn't have a master's degree. They didn't have an undergrad. They didn't go study at the temple. All they had was one experience. And they went and told everybody about Jesus. So in just a moment, we're going to watch a short video. But we're going to sing the song, Oh Holy Night. Because I wonder, on that holy night... If people started to see the lights, and we're going to have the candles go by in a moment, if they saw the light of the candle in the midst of the darkness, if they got to sing, oh, what a holy night it is. I may not have all the answers, but I have my experience. It's passion not based on intellect. It's passion based on transformation. God has done something for me. I want the world to know. So we're going to let the light shine this morning, this Christmas Eve.